With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Welcome back to the Pelly Podcast. We have uh, officially gone fishing. Um, the Pelicans have been knocked out of the bubble, and it was not a good time. As always, I have Jonathan Palazzolo and Tyler Nye with me. How are you guys doing? Since uh, obviously a lot of big things have happened, uh, but let's go with uh, the bubble first. Um, you know what I did today, guys? I bought my first ever pair of Vans. Did y'all ever did y'all ever have vans before? Yeah, I've had a couple pairs. Damn, really? I know you're a dad I think now. I've had like two pairs, I think. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I got a kid on the way, and I was like, I kind of like these now. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> anyway, it was a nice distraction from thinking about the Pelicans. Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. I like the setup. Yeah. But anyway, what about you, Tyler? How you been, man? What about that bubble? Oh man, I've just been enjoying the uh, playoffs right now. Uh, Games have actually been really fun, and I still feel the oh, playoff sh- atmosphere. Shut the fuck up. You're happy because oh the God. Lakers lost, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking tell me about the playoffs. This dude, we, have a, we, have a, we have a group chat, and Tyler was basically just trashing AD for six Hey, look, man. Hours. So, look, here's what I'll say about that real quick. Not to shit on Lakers fans, but the worse the Lakers do, and if AD leaves, the better our picks are. So mm. True. If there's any team I want to lose, yo, I like that spin. Yeah, uh, yes. Like, and, and then uh, to say this, like after the Pelicans were knocked out, I don't know how, but a bunch of Lakers fans found us and went through <laughs> all of our comments and were basically just trashing us about how the team bounced out of the playoffs. Yeah, they're well, out of the bubble, and so you know it was nice. They're more likely to favor a tweet than watch a Lakers game. So yeah, let them exactly. have it. They found a tweet that was almost a year old. Like who David does that? Griffin, <laughs> dude, you know what? They, dude, they had it like they, they had to see it. it. Do you yes. think no, they set a they, calendar reminder? That's what like, I was gonna say. They had to set a calendar <laughs> reminder. Like they had to see the tweet like eight months ago and was like, "Oh, wait till they fucking lose. I'm gonna fucking like this and retweet it and laugh yeah. at them six months from now." And then of course when the Pelicans fucking get destroyed out of the bubble. Yeah, just real quick, it's the we we quoted David Griffin as saying. The Pelicans are going to kick some ass this season, or we're looking to yeah. kick some ass. And Pelic uh, Lakers fans just ran with it and said, "Oh, really?" Like you know, and, yeah. and retweeted it and quoted it, and uh, yeah, that that's that's how we started my day one day. Was Tyler texting us? <laughs> yeah, I saw the tweets blowing up. I was like, "Oh, which one?" It was an old ass one making fun of us. So that was nice. Yeah, I go. Yeah, just make friends, Lakers fans. <laughs> so as we've said it before, the the bubble is not good to us at all um we went in there with high hopes high expectations and i think we left with a lot of questions and we left now needing a new coach because alvin gentry has been fired yeah i think that i think a lot of us said this uh kind of throughout the season it just felt like the writing was on the wall for a very very long time and Miss Benson kind of vouching for Gentry is a very popular narrative that we've heard throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I, it, that has to be the only reason he stayed on because Gentry clearly, guys, like clearly throughout this season. Well, yeah, you remember when Miss uh, Benson, I think specifically when they were doing the hiring, they were like, how can you make this team work and keep Gentry? 
Right. I think that was specifically a question they stated. I think Griffin had mentioned that. Yeah, and I think Griffin's relationship with Gentry versus the other GM, Danny. Was it Danny? Anyway, the other one that was uh, temporarily at GM. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, Danny Ferry? Yeah, he yeah. was in the running, and they really enjoyed him. But, you know, I think he didn't have that relationship with Gentry that uh, Griffin did, and that kind of put him over the edge. But, I mean, guys, you saw it this whole season. Like, with the Zion minutes, you know, with the health concerns, with um, the, the rookies not getting minutes throughout this season, and even when we were struggling – like, Gentry and Griffin seem to not be on the same page quite often. And I think that's what ultimately made this a, an eventual decision, not an if decision. Like, when is it going to happen? Not, not is it going to happen? So, bringing it back to the bubble, because um, we're going to get into Gentry and everything else. Oh, yeah. Um, that's obviously going to be the majority of the show. But, bring, like I said, bringing it back to the bubble, was there any bright spots for you guys? Was there anything that you said... After we left the bubble, like yeah, that this may be something we have we can hold on to. Yeah, I think uh, Josh Hart at the end of the season in in the bubble. If we need energy, like Josh Hart's the guy. So I really really enjoyed watching Josh Hart, um, and I think I think the bubble really showed that he 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 can provide that energy. He can provide a spark. And do good things for this team, regardless of how well the team's doing. If that makes sense, like he can really be a positive player and stick out. So I've been, I, and I, I bring up Josh Hart because I've been on the fence about him for so damn long. And the last month or two of the season, plus the bubble, has me wanting him to be around for a lot longer. Uh, yeah, that would have been mine. Uh, so I'll try to bring something else. I'm honestly gonna say. Uh, uh, when you when you asked that question besides Hart, I was like, okay, I got to think of something else. What came to mind? And honestly, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but but the rookies, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes, did they make mistakes? Yes. Did they play perfect or even well? No. Um, and was there prop parts where like you see both of them doing something, and you're like, what the hell are y'all doing? But if you think about their growth, especially Jackson Hayes, it's very easily to be encouraged by them. Um, Cause I, and Jonathan did a great job of with our Twitter uh, pointing out this week, uh, Nikhil almost comparison to someone like CJ McCollum, right. Who didn't actually become the player he is until about two or three years in. Right. Um, and I honestly think you see Nikhil. I think the tools are there. Is he, is he ready to take over an offense as a point guard? no, but I really do think he has a future with this team. And I know people are ready to give up on him after the first season, but I am actually more encouraged by him uh, from the bubble play. Yeah, and I, I chose C.J. McCollum because when I was watching C.J. play, you don't see him burning by anybody. Like, it's very he's very crafty with his handle. Um, he's not shaking anybody out of his boots, but he's very crafty with his handles. He has a beautiful shot, and they're, they're going in... Um, consistently for him and that just wasn't the case his first two seasons in the league and so I was just like man let me just look up his stats you know let me look up his stats when he came into the league because he did three years in college um so he was an older rookie coming in just like Noah and I mean damn like their raw stats along with their advanced stats were very very similar so I can only hope that Noah becomes a player like CJ McCollum but Mm -hmm. it just goes to show you man like the rookie season yeah you want to take a lot from him 
But there are players in this league that are really, really, really good who weren't great rookies. Who weren't great yeah. second-year players, right, too. Right. And I think and that goes to Jackson Hayes uh, in the same way. But my encouraging thing as well for them was the way they played. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the rest of the team was playing like shit, lethargic, you know, things of that nature. As soon as you put them rookies in, they were coming hot. Dude, and it's just... We begged, guys, we begged so hard last podcast, like, let me just see some fucking energy. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what we got out of Noah. That's what we got out of Hayes. These dudes are playing, albeit, you know, uh, kind of out of out of control at times. Absolutely. But at least it was energy. Like, at least there was energetic. It wasn't flat. Like, we didn't see. I saw I saw Noah fighting over screens the way Josh Hart was. Yeah. And I was like, okay, where's everybody else doing this? Right. What the hell? Right, and you know, it just it, it wasn't that lackadaisical um, effort that we see sometimes out of like Lonzo and sometimes even Bi. You know, Bi I thought Bi played a lot better than Lonzo in this bubble, but we just want effort, man. You know, especially watching some of these other teams that are str- like had the same scenario we were in with injuries and things play a lot better than we are, and they have way less talent because of their energy. Who you got, Jesse? So I, I I would get another question after this, but um for me I think that like the best positive thing out of the bubble is we kind of got to see who we want to be on who we want to be on this team next year and who we don't want to be on this team and that's a good point yeah I yeah. like that one. so I mean I say and, and a part of me says that's also an ignorant thing to say because it was only what eight games nine games it was eight games in the bubble yeah, yeah so I mean. At the end of the day, like, why would, uh, you know, why would I focus what players should be off of eight games in a very awkward, awkward circumstance, you know? So while there's like some things like Lonzo played bad, obviously Derek Favors didn't have a great bubble. Mm. Um, but, you know, maybe, I, I think maybe we, we saw Lonzo's true value in a sense. It, it worries me. Yeah. Because well, this is this is what I specifically said before the uh, before the bubble, right? I was like, if Lonzo's shot is not there, what is he? Right, and we saw exactly that. So I wanted to ask this question, and so everybody's been in a situation, right? Like whether you're at work or whether you're on a team, where prior to someone getting fired or released, there was like mumbling going on, like, man, I'll. You know, Griffin said that Gentry might not... This decision was made long before the bubble. Mm. Do you think the team kind of got word that Gentry was going to be gone and some changes might come and that's what caused the bubble attitude to, to happen? Just like the the lack of um, effort? That's a good point. Do you, think they were, do you think they knew like what was coming as far as Gentry being gone and it was kind of like, well, what are we playing for? Like... We're not going to save our coach's job, so what's the point? I don't know what to make of it, man. I like I hate speculating, but something was going on, right? Because this just wasn't the same team that we saw. I mean, pre bubble, right? Pre bubble. I mean, I was just like, man, this team is 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 really doing it. Like yeah. we're, we're we're coming in, we're playing complete games, we're looking great. Oh, and then we come into the bubble, and it's just like nobody looked like they wanted to play. I'll say it this way: maybe the players didn't know, but if you don't get that sense of urgency the game seven type urgency uh, that we were supposed to have from the coaches and, you know, One, possibly Gentry. Two players what, had that. What's the, pl- how's the players going to have it? I don't, 
Yeah. I, I saw a couple of things on Twitter. I don't think it happened at the end of the day if we're if we're speculating, but I can't see good, that leaking. Like I can't yeah. see that out of Griffin and them really putting themselves in a position because like if that leaks and that's what happened, you put our team in a really shitty position, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I don't want to say that David Griffin's manipulate, you know, manipulating a situation where he's like, okay, we got to do shitty. Like he's got to go. I can't have an excuse to keep Gentry like Dempstead after the Portland yeah. series, you know. But as an organization, you want to be in the playoffs. Like regardless as if you keep in Gentry or not, you want to be in the playoffs. But I will say, dude, I did see a couple of things on Twitter that caught my eye. One was a Pelicans fan. It's also a huge um, Dallas Cowboys fan. And he was like, the Pelicans are playing like the Cowboys at the end of the year when they knew Jason Garrett was gone. Which was like an interesting comparison. Um, and the second thing I saw on Twitter was they had the close-up of the huddle yeah. when Gentry was drawing up the play. Mm-hmm. And like three of the Pelicans players were like, dude, what the fuck is he saying? Like, yeah, they, all, like the look on their faces was pretty. Yeah, weird. that's an older clip. That's from the bubble, though. No, no, no that's pre-bubble. No, that's oh, that's pre-bubble. pre-bubble? Okay, pre-bubble. I, I thought there weren't fans yeah. in there. Okay, never yeah. mind. Nah, that's pre-bubble. But anyway, dude, looking at that, I was like, shit. Like, if that's what they're, if that's what the look they're making when he's drawing the plays in there in front of them, like, what the fuck are they saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, on the court to themselves. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I love Gentry as a person. Uh, we, we obviously, I don't, I don't mean to belittle him or patronize him at all, but obviously, the dude's a great person. He just didn't fit what we want as a coach obviously so are we getting into the gentry firing or we got um i mean yeah let's get into it you okay because so it's gonna take forever to get I through just, this yeah i just want to start with this i think the ultimate reason gentry got fired i think the decision was made right after the season but i think they kind of knew it was coming and i think what griffin started with in his quote we are the result of our habits and our habits were not good and I think if I had a number one complaint with just uh, Gentry, that would be probably number one, maybe another one that we'll talk about later. Um, but we saw, regardless of the roster, regardless of the GM, we saw the same issues on Gentry's teams every season. Every season. And it was defense and effort. We have had this conversation every season with a Gentry team. And Gentry, to be honest, is the only constant. Right. You know, we didn't have an effort problem with Monty Williams. No. We had a we sucked problem. We had a rotation problem. We had others. Vasquez at point guard problem. You know, Brian Roberts playing 34 minutes was Mm. an issue. But, um, you know, it's been the same thing with Gentry. It's been defense and effort. And you you saw it in the bubble. It It was a perfect capsulation of that. Not you could say most teams didn't care about the bubble, but every team came out like, dude, you saw what Phoenix did. Phoenix went eight and oh, they still didn't get in and they played their asses off, right? You know, Memphis, when they didn't have the roster, they didn't have anything to go up against Portland's firepower, but they came out as hard as they could to win that game, like even Sacramento, you can say. So Can't I don't want to yeah. hear the roster excuse. I don't want to hear the injury excuse with Zion. That's that's no reason for your players to not come out and play hard. And people will always say, well, it's on the players. Well, I can promise you this. In any other workplace, if your workforce is not motivated time in and time out, guess who they're looking at? The manager. Right. Yep. That's just how, that's how it is in life. So. And I can't tell you, and it's funny you said that, because I can't tell you how many times I've been at work and I was like, man, I don't feel like, working today because the person i'm working for is 
the worst. Like, I just can't stand working for him. So that makes a lot of sense. I could see that. Yeah, and it's... I was one of those people that was like, dude, you're making fucking millions and millions of dollars to play ball. Like, what motivation do you need? Right? But Tyler makes a good point. It's the same thing every fucking season. We had a giant roster turnover, and I was super stoked, and we saw the same level of effort and the same level of mistakes and the same level of carelessness with the ball. And at some point, you just got to say it like, I'm sorry, this system that we're running or our coach or the people who are in charge, it, it, it's affecting us on the court. And, yeah. here, and here's a big thing. Who played good in our game seven? Who played good? J.J. Redick, that was it. J.J. Redick. I think and Josh Holl- Hart. I think Holiday played good in that game for the most part. I mean, he didn't shoot well. But he came to play as, as he could. But we yeah. know Holiday's inconsistent on the offensive end anyway. Right. So your veterans came to play besides Derek Favors. Like, that, that, those are the people who come in with that professional mindset that they know they need at that point. It's the younger players that we knew we had that those are the ones, honestly, you do need to kick ass and kick a fire under because they're not at that maturity level yet. When you're 22, you're... No offense, you're not that sm- you're not that smart. You know, you don't yeah, a, you don't think with a professional mindset yet because you just haven't been in the world long enough. To quote Kamala Harris, she said, "They're just dumb." 18 to 22 year olds. I mean, she's, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna be honest. She's not a dumb. 18, 22 year old me is dumb as shit. So yeah, I wasn't the smartest at that age either. But well, um, valedictorian. I mean, I was 18. I'm not gonna brag about that type of stuff. But I was number but one. To, um, <laughs> to piggyback on this. My other big reason with Gentry, and I've said this before on the podcast, is he's a system coach, and I think system coaches are bullshit. I think you can have a philosophy as a coach, but I think you need this exact type of system to be successful. Is just you're setting your team up for failure because then you're already limiting your growth and potential. So let me ask this. Talking about a system... Did play, did pace honestly make a difference for us? Does it make a difference going forward? You know, does it is it a is it as big as a factor as Gentry made it out to be? You know, it's it's a really good question. I don't know if it was exactly the pace as it was the free flow style of right. offense right. that they had, where it's almost like a Gentry kind of just let them kind of do what they want and make their own decisions, which, to be honest, is, again, not great for a young team. Like, they're not ready to make these big decisions. So it's frustrating to see. And I've said this on a podcast a bunch. My friend John Stogner coaches over at Shaman High, and he says the same thing over and over again. He says, if you're a slow team, meaning like you have your half-court sets that you run quite often and you're comfortable with it, if you're a slow team, you can pick up the pace. If you're a fast team that only plays at a high pace, you have trouble slowing it down. Um, And we saw that nonstop with uh, Gentry, but I agree 100% with Tyler there. It's not about the pace, guys. Like the pace in the NBA is just picking up. Like it's it's, people are moving way faster. We're getting shots up way quicker. We're getting good shots up way quicker. The problem is pace without direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, and we see that so often. We push the ball up the court and then. 
we, we, we ISO, right? Or and we push the ball up the court and then we don't get the first move. So now we're stuck in a position where we're staring at the ball. It's frustrating to see that. And a great example of that is early in the season, I think we talked about this, was Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball coming to the team. And Pace was obviously pushed by Gentry to the players. And you just saw the players just run up you know, 20 seconds on the shot clock, 18 seconds, and just jack a three up. Because, you, you, you know, you're telling these players, you know, pace, pace, shoot, shoot when you think you got a shot, shoot, shoot, shoot. And that's what Gentry, you know, basically tells them to do. Um, so you saw that a lot, and then you saw them adjust through the season. And it's like, did Gentry even get clear messages to the players? Right. What is that? Me- it, it, if anything, what the fuck is that message? I have the freedom to do what I want on the court. That's. Did that not seem what it looked like for a lot of these players offensively yeah. this Dude, season? you remember one game we went to and we were like, why the fuck are they taking every goddamn three at every every opportunity they shoot in every single yeah. three? If we got down, our solution was just to just, shoot just, more. Just shoot threes. Just shoot threes nonstop. You're right, dude. The freedom. How, how often under Gentry did we become... Almost a jump shooting team. And the problem with being a jump shooting team in the NBA is you live or die by your jump shot. And guess what? If it's not falling, you're losing. Yeah. If it falls, you might look great because you're just, you know, you're hitting threes all over the place. But if it's not falling, that's it. You, you don't get to the line. You don't get to the basket. Or who was second in, in free throws on the team? It was Jackson, Jackson Hayes. Jackson, Jackson fucking Hayes. Hayes. It was Jackson yeah. and, Hayes. And, that should show you everything you need to know about the offense right there. And and Jackson Hayes played in lim- very, very limited minutes. So to think that he was second in free throws off the amount of minutes he played, yeah, it, it's 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 uncalled for. Like they, There needs to be a better system set up to where our team can sustain long-term success. And you're not going to have long-term success trying to be a jump-shooting team with no jump-shooters. Right. I mean, hopefully, you know, having Zion for a full season kind of ameliorates those issues. But why, like, just, just when we came up with that stat that Jackson Hayes was second on a team in free throws, you're like, this is a system issue. This, I mean, that's a system issue. You I mean, gotta say that's a system you, issue. People will tell you at that point, hey, Lonzo and Drew don't really get to the line, but Drew is a plus 10 driver constantly. Um, he's the only one who can actually create with the ball. And, I've said this before, but Lonzo, the way he was slotted in that offense is, you know, push on the fast break. But once we got into the half court, he's basically a spot up shooter at that point. Right. He becomes a, a swing man. And it's like, okay, is he our point guard or not? Like, yeah. But I mean, to, to kind of go back to your question, Jesse, is the system. What was your question again? It was <laughs> pace. pace. Is yeah, pace like, like that big of a deal? You answered that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we answered that. I'm just saying, uh, like, we've talked about this so much. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over talking about pace, right? Like, I hope the next coach, um, who, whoever that may be, we're going to talk about that in a second. Like, I, I, I hope they get away from the system ideal and really just, who and, do we have on the court? Let's play and, that way. And I'll clarify two things. Every coach has a system. Okay. It's not like a coach is just, uh, fully open, but you have to be adjustable in your system. Um, and it's been known uh, for multiple years that Gentry 
pretty much has stated multiple times he has to have a point guard. And that's why he was big on Lonzo, for whatever reason, again, because once I got to the half court, he's not a point guard. Conspiracy but, coming up in a second. Um, he is huge on point guards. And, like, you shouldn't have a coach that's like, I need this particular type of player to win. It should be any type of player. And you can point back to the great coaches. They will adjust their style of play to their roster. That's just how it goes. That's what you got to do. You know, you get superstars come in in a trade – uh, you see Doc Rivers right now with the Clippers. The Clippers play completely different than they did last season. Right. You know, um, San Antonio plays completely different. And I just, I don't, I don't think Gentry was ever going to play different, regardless of who he has on his roster and, um, you know, aspects like that. So, Jesse, conspiracy theory. Gentry really liked Lonzo Ball. Griffin and Langdon did not. Oh man, I can. I have nothing yeah. to back that up. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll set you up for failure yeah, there. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, I can see a scenario where that's even flip flopped, right? Okay. Because like for Gentry, like I know sometimes Lonzo pulled up for a three, and he was like, "God fucking damn it, this right. dude's doing chucking it up again." Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know their opinion. I, I wish I knew more about their opinions on Lonzo. Lonzo has to be the most frustrating player for me to talk about because you see the potential, and then you see the on court results, and it's just so inconsistent. But you're like, dude, if I could just get the player he was for those like ten, fifteen games, right, all season long, I'm literally getting one of the best point guards in the league. Because you're, you're looking at you're looking at a six five, six 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 point guard, defensively amazing, shot thirty nine percent from three, thirty eight percent from three. I'm sorry. The best long range passer in the game at the guard position. Mm-hmm. One of them, yeah. And then here's, you see what he did at the bubble, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Here's the here's the problem with Lonzo, and this was. This was my thing before that is he's he's an A plus in some areas and those areas and he's actually, you know, moved his shooting up to, you know, as a as a three point shooter, I would say he's above average um, at this point, which is great. But here's the problem. And this is undeniable. This is undeniable to Lonzo stands to anything like that. I'm sorry. Again, I I want him to be good. um, So trust me, I hope he does. But he's F's in multiple areas. Multiple important areas you need from your guard, especially a guard running with Zion. And he's an F in driving to the basket. 100% F. He's an F free throw shooter. 100% F. And he's an F in creating the half court. 100% F. And that is, those are three, I would say, pretty much necessary skills to be a successful point guard, point guard in the NBA. Like, I mean, go look at them right now. Go look at Luca. You look at Damian Lillard. Look what they can do with in those same situations. Chris Paul does all those things extremely well at 35 years old. Yeah. So, and it's not like he's a C minus in these areas. He is horrendous in these areas. Like there was multiple times in the bubble he missed wide open layups. Yeah. Which for someone who's six six is just kind of inexcusable. But I mean. It's almost like he can't even control his speed when he goes to the basket. It's it's interesting. Um, That's a big decision 
for the future of the Pelicans is who who's going to play point for us after the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be honest, I hope he does. Uh, it's going to be Lonzo this get, year. He's going to get one more season. Yeah. What he does with this season will dictate what happens next. If he's an all-star level guard this year, mm-hmm. borderline all-star is, I guess, what you're really looking at. I'm going to send the thank you package, the Bleacher Report, for lighting a yeah. fire under his ass. Because that's what he needs. We, we talked about this pre-podcast, but he's one of those players that like I just feel like he doesn't care like about winning. Like He cares about his name and how he plays himself, but... Winning necessarily isn't something that like he he fucking die he would die for. It's yeah. like eh, whatever. Like today sucked, but you know there'll always be a tomorrow. No, yeah. like I want a guy who's gonna fucking go out there and say if we don't fucking win this game, I'm pissed. It's gonna ruin my fucking week. Right? Yeah, we, we can win this. the next ten games, and I'm still gonna be mad about that one game we fucking lost. We mentioned this like the one time you hear about Lonzo and his game, he acknowledged that he was playing shitty, but um, it's Bleacher Report. Throwing out a stat line. That's what got him pissed off. Really? Right. Not you losing? Not you missing out on the playoffs? You're going to tweet, post my like shit. Like Damian Lillard's like, if I don't get a chance to go in the playoffs, I'm not coming to the bubble. I want to fucking win. What win. a dope yeah. line, right? Yeah. You know, like. Why, why waste two months of your life in a bubble by yourself to not go and fucking win? You, that, that's my, that's the way I'm looking at it, right? Like. Let me go through all this fucking bullshit. Constant COVID testing. Getting a fucking swab shoved down your throat. Living living away from your family for two months. And some people might say, oh, well, that was that's what caused them to want to leave. But, nah, why go, but why go through all of that, show up to the bubble, and just lay an egg? That's, it's, that's and, and I feel like that's kind of what Lonzo did. And we, that's also on Gentry. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We, we aren't... We aren't staying on topic. We, we didn't plan on talking about Lonzo this long. But Lonzo reminds me of a lot of players that relied so heavily on being the best athlete on the court, court yeah. the entire time he was in high school. And he looked like the best athlete on the court no matter who he played in college, right? When you're in the NBA, that's just not there. You're not going to be the best athlete, athlete in the court. So he doesn't do the little things well that other people had to work on. Yeah. He doesn't shoot his free throws well. He doesn't. That's want, another half area I didn't even touch. He doesn't initiate any type of half court offense at all. And he can't really. And he, to be honest, he can't create his own shot and unless he can't, it's a step back. Right. He can't create any type of shot. The floater, the mid range. Any of that looks like shit. And you got to believe like those are the little things that separate a really good NBA player from Alonzo Ball. Because just to talk how fitting with Zion, a lot of people think he's a perfect fit because he throws those full court alley-oops. How many of those are you getting in a season? What, 10, 15? Yeah. It shows up on that, ESPN. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, doesn't translate do anything to wins. for wins, yeah. I'm, well, I'm sorry to say. And honestly, what Zion needs, believe it or not, is not a guard. I, you want a guard who can shoot. But you also need a guard who can get to the basket and relieve some pressure from Zion. Right. Not one who's just going to sit out there and, you know, have a man who's yeah essentially just sitting on him. Um, but to to go back to the Gentry topic real quick. Is that what we were the, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and pace. Uh, so t- to not shit on Lonzo we're that much because we can, we can probably get into that. Yeah. You know. But uh, pace, what I'll say is this too. How much did the pace affect defense? 
Like, you got the players running all game. How much do you think they want to play defense? First off, it's affecting it a lot. But secondly, obvious, man, like, it, it's just so obvious that we aren't focused on defense. Not at all. It's just, it, it, we're getting a rebound, we're running, we're taking our shot. Nobody's fucking helping at all on defense. Dude, the communication so, is it's terrible, so bad. Too. But, but, here, but here's the Christ. thing that, so the games where we look dominant on both ends of the floor, and, and I know this is like something so easy to fucking say, but were the games where we would just, we couldn't miss. And it's because we'd get a rebound off their miss, run up court, score an easy basket, and that would stop the game, and we could reset up our our defense, and we were ex- we we could anticipate what was coming at us. But games where we couldn't hit a shot, and teams were just running the ball back at us, we were just fucking lost in transition, all over the place. All, I mean, just yeah. absolutely lost. Like Ugh. nobody knew where to go, and it was just like free run to the basket. And and in a bubble, it was even ten times worse. Oh, it was yeah. like, what are we even doing? Are we even playing basketball? Are we just like sitting? We were playing all star game level defense all fucking bubble long, dude. And the only game that didn't happen was Drew against Ja. Other than that, it was awful. So whoever is the next coach, listen to this podcast and just fix that. Yeah, exactly. Fix all those things we just listed. So that, that kind of brings me to the next question, right? Not names, right? I'm not talking about names. What, what name do you want? But what does your next head coach have to do or have to have in him to make this team successful? And I'm not talking about minor success. I'm talking championship caliber basketball because that's what we want we don't i I do like fuck it if we're not gonna make the playoffs sell the team i want to win championships what does that coach need to do so real quick just to clarify with the pace thing just to show up something (laughs) i'm sorry i gotta do this this. (laughs) because no this is this is relevant to this next part i've heard people calling for mike d'antoni as the coach and that yeah. sounds terrible, right? Because of, uh, you know, pace or whatever we just talked about. But have y'all ever seen Houston's perimeter defense? It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. You yeah. know what our perimeter defense looks like? Trash. Pretty shite. Yeah. So that's all I got to say real quick about that. Okay. So well, you know, we'll let you, Jonathan answer. No, you're going to answer first. Okay. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Okay. Uh, what was the question again? And you're getting Lonzo lyrics tonight just for that. Oh, shit. I'm not doing Lonzo lyrics. He does not deserve it. Pull him up. You can give me some JJ quotes from his podcast. I'll do that. We don't have Um, any. So what are we looking for in a head coach was the question, basically, right? Right. Like, not going to name any names, but what do you want him to bring to the table? This is good because we had talked about this earlier. And is this something you want to look for in a player or a coach? But this is something I definitely think the team needs. And it's uh, it's it's part of the culture driven idea that I think Griffin wants, and that's not just leadership and accountability, but like you know a next level passion that can get players moving all in the same direction. Yeah, I think that's needed, and I think you can find that within players in the league. And Josh Hart may potentially be one of those players, but you also need that from a leader as well so how many leaders does this team have do they really have any right now um i'm sure you can say drew holiday will be one hopefully zion will be one eventually but you know maybe for these young guys what we need right now to keep to create this culture that the pelicans so desperately need desperately need to create is that kind of guy uh a guy who can come in and get his players to buy in and go in the same direction and bring an intensity and passion to the basketball court that we haven't seen in New Orleans for 
a while. And I mean, um, Monty wasn't a great coach, but he got his players to play hard, but he got the shitty players to play hard. We need the superstars to play hard. So who's the guy who can come in and do that? That's what I'm looking for. I saw a quote about uh, Gentry and somebody called him or his style. They said it's the style of like a hip substitute teacher that tries to come in and run the class. That's a good one. Um, yeah. So I, the main thing I want from the next coach, and it's something I still feel like is lacking, even though we have so many discernible talents on this team, is I want a guy who's going to come in here and create an ad- identity. Like, what are we as a team, right? You see that with the best coaches throughout the league, regardless of talent, okay? Unless you have, like, a a superstar on your team like LeBron James, right? You see every single season, you see the San Antonio Spurs play smart basketball. They don't turn the ball over, right? And they run an offense that's all hands on deck. Steve Kerr came into the league and gave the same exact roster an identity Mm -hmm. that wasn't there with Mark Jackson, but it was the same exact fucking roster, okay? And I'm picking the best examples, obviously, because we were going to shoot for the stars, because I think we have a roster that's capable of doing this. They had had a good quote, because you were talking about the Spurs, from Antonio Daniels when he played with the Spurs. He said he didn't realize it at the time, but Greg Popovich made him the professional basketball player he became. Yes. He instilled that. And guess what one of Pop's big things was? If you can't play defense, you're not going out there. Unless you're damn good. Right. Like So I mean that just goes back to like the substitute teacher, right? Like we've all been in a class with a substitute teacher. That might be a fun fucking class. You know what I'm saying? There might be some students that stick out in that class, maybe for the wrong reasons. But you want the structure there, right? You want the structure. You want to know what you're getting from your team every single night. Um and you want you want that out of your coach. Now, who does that for us? I don't know. I'm not going to be in those interview processes. Um, and there's a long list of names that we have here. But I just want somebody that comes in, demands respect, whether you're a superstar or not, and provides an identity. Who the fuck are the Pelicans? What are we getting every single night? And it can't be lip service like David Griffin said, um, like David Griffin did last season. We're going to come in and play hard. Like, no, show me in the fucking court. Who are we? What are we doing? Are we a team that plays extremely hard defense and then on the offensive end we make the best play? Like, I just want to see a fucking identity. And if I name several teams, you can think of their identity, right? San Antonio, you can think of their identity. Houston, you can think of it. Golden State, you can think about it, right? The Clippers, you can think about what they are as a team. Shit, Toronto's making one. Toronto's making one. Fucking Boston Celtics are making... All these teams that are playing well, we know who they are, and we know what we're going to get out of them every single night. We need that. And then there's going to be times where we see B.I. and Zion be special in that identity role. So I want to see that. I want to see that next season. Whoever comes in here, please, who are we as a team? Yeah, and uh, you know, for me, it's like I said before, it's it's all about uh, somebody who comes in with a drive to win. You know, I, I think I know Gentry said in first take like my aspirations were championship goals, and unless something changed without me knowing, I'm not too sure why I was let go. But I understand the business. But I don't know for some reason when I think of Gentry, I think Gentry is kind of like a lighthearted coach. Doesn't really get on his guys too too much. I haven't seen it. Um. And and watching him in some practices, it just seems like it just seems like things are 
just easy to come by in a sense. Yeah. Where I, I want a coach where he never seems impressed. Like you do something great and you look at the, over at the coach and he's looking at you like, what am I supposed to be impressed by that? Like, whatever, you're a fucking NBA player. You're supposed to do that. What else can you do? You know? Right. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the attitude you kind of need with young people, especially with with players like we have. Um, some of our players think they're a lot better than what they are. And I think there needs to be a coach in a situation that reminds them that y'all aren't shit and y'all haven't done shit. You know, y'all are, yeah, y'all might've been the best players on your high school team and, you know, athleticism might've got you far, but now you need to come together as a team and win basketball games. And to your point, Jesse, we literally saw a gentry in practice tell Lonzo, Hey, you know, you need to be driving more. You need to get to the line five times. Did that even happen? Did that happen no. once? And, and for me, I think it's not, you need to do this. It's like, I think you need a coach that's going to be like, are you ever going to drive the basket or not? Because if not, then you, there's no reason for you to be here. You're, you're not, you're not going to be a player on our team. I think you need to put that in the, you need to instill some type of fear in these guys for the sense, because I just don't think when you give it to them, like lightheartedly, they're just kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, one ear at one in one ear out the other. You really need to tell them that this is the NBA and there's a thousand motherfuckers who are playing for your job. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to, if you're not up for the test, then the door, you, you can walk out the front door. And that can I agree. work in I a agree. negative and positive way because maybe a guy like Zion, you know, we saw a lot of fire out of Zion in Duke. Yeah. And I think we saw like little sparks here with the Pelicans. Well, you got to think though, like when you think of Shashetsky, that that's the type of guy he is like, he he's yeah, had talk about, he's had so many great players. So when yeah. another one comes through, he's looking at you like, okay. Well, they talked about. I think Zion specifically mentioned it. Um, maybe it was Zion. Maybe it was somebody else. But Zion, uh, Shashes, I can't say his Mike name. Mike Shashesky. Mike <laughs> Coach, Coach K. Yeah, okay. Coach K. He actually put zion on they were doing like white versus blue and he put zion with all the second stringers and he said he's come on uh on like late shows and stuff like that or said whatever and he said you know he does that to 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 basically fuck with the player's mentality you know make them think they think everything's going great and good and then he'll just do something quick to kind of be like wait am i good like okay i need to come out and play hard and see like what the fuck's happening coach you know like just kind of put them in their place every now and again, and not in like a mean way, but in a motivating way. Yeah. So I agree with you, I, Jesse. Th- this may just be my mentality as a person, but the minute you tell me I'm doing good is the minute I'm not making any more improvements. Yeah. So you if, you tell, if, if you yeah. tell if you tell me good job, and th- this goes in life too, if you tell me good job, I'm like, well, fuck. What? I'm doing good, whatever. You got you t- need You need to just tell me straight up, like, yeah, you're doing, like, it, it took me a while to, to really learn that, like, yeah, being good at something means you're good at it, but to be one and one and only, you, you need to go f- further than that. Right. And yeah. that's what separates the, it, the best from just average. It's tough. It's tough to balance those things. It's tough to balance like positive reinforcement versus high expectations. But I feel mm-hmm. like Monty did that, right? Like I feel like Monty was the Monty did that, but he Monty did that, but he had very tight reins on what he allowed his players to do. Yeah. You're uh, you're crossing half court at 16 seconds, and we're gonna get the best shot ever. And he was calling like every play, every single play from the sideline. <laughs> um, and a guy like Tyreek Evans doesn't fit that fucking role. Yeah, and I uh, don't think you know Brandon Ingram's gonna 
or like even a guy like honestly a professional like JJ is not going to want to be babysit and told what to do every play. So that's that's the, that's what we have to do. We have to somehow have a identity as a team. Like who are we? Are we a young team that needs a lot of control? Um that needs to be babysit or are we at a position where these young guys are smart enough to run an offense and have a little bit of freedom? The next coach has a big tall task on his hands. Um, and I hope he can handle it. I really do. Um, and, and kind of to Jesse's point, man, like you got to come in and you got to set some high expectations from the beginning, right? Like set the expectations extremely high. Mm-hmm. And if you don't meet them, you have to have some type of accountability. Uh, and I hope you'd hope that it's personal accountability, but at the same time, we've seen that that's really not working. And I, I think to Jesse's point, I think Griffin and because this is really what's going to matter, not what we think, what Griffin thinks. Um, I think Griffin is going to be looking more towards of what Jesse wants. He wants a guy who's going to know, you know, what his players' work ethic are, what they're coming out and doing, are what they're doing in practice. Are we doing this on the floor and vice versa? You know, um, and like we're not just going to accept losses. I'll tell you one of the most alarming things Gentry said was when we lost to the Clippers and Gentry – and the team all said they were just hitting shots. They were shots. just hitting shots. I hate that. They said that multiple times this that season. That was horrendous. Yeah. They were not just hitting shots. Guess what? Every team was hitting shots on the right. Pelicans. You know why? Nobody was in their face. Well, here's the deal, dude. So when you have a coach like Gentry, and I think he did a lot of good things well for like player development, confidence issues, things like that. Um, seemed to go really well with Gentry. But when you say shit like that, like, oh, well, you know what? We did the right thing. We just... They just hit shots or, you know, we played well, but our shots weren't dropping. Like you get players that I don't think are absorbing your messages correctly. Because what that also allows is it allows a Brandon Ingram, the last shot of the game, to not pass the ball to J.J. Redick on mm-hmm. a set fucking play. Yep. It allows a Lonzo Ball to do step-back threes three times a fucking game when well, he's shooting 20% from step-back threes. The message you're saying is, hey, guys, like, you know, defense wasn't really a problem. We just weren't hitting our shots, and they got lucky and were hitting theirs. Like, right. that's not how you coach. No. That's not what you expect from an NBA team. No. We had to be the easiest team to score on in the bubble by far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd there was no right resistance here. anywhere at the rim, on the perimeter. Drew, it, Drew Holiday was literally, you. Drew Holiday could be the best defender of all time, and he could have Scottie Pippen right next to him, and we still would have gave up 120 points because just the communication, uh, switching on screens and guys getting lost, getting lost in transition, as you said earlier. I mean, these are all things that should easily be fixed in training camp. So, and that comes to the kind of coach that Jesse is talking about. You need a coach who's coming in ready to instill that and have it be done through the season and not go, not make an excuse. A coach making an excuse is honestly sorry to me. I, the, the best coaches don't make excuses. Yeah, I agree, I, man. I agree, yeah. yeah I, 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 as I love Gentry, guys. I feel like I probably defended him more in the past than what I should, but this felt right like this feels like the right move it is the right move yeah honestly you probably should have made it last season and they're going to eat five million dollars because of it but you know uh, i would rather i'm glad the organization didn't 
you know, it shows you that Benson is committed to Griffin's vision, which is what you want. Good. Clean sweep, or do you guys expect some of the assistant coaches to stick around? I think Griffin said some of the assistant coaches are staying. Like, I think Vincent would probably stay. He's got to stay. He's got to stay. He's he's done so much <laughs> yeah. for this team. Um, Interesting to see if Chris Finch stays, because he was kind of like an associate head coach. I think and he's going to get an interview for the, for the head coaching he job, might. for sure. I think, you know what's funny is, too, I think the offense – Actually got better when Chris Finch came in when I was supposed to be the offensive guru. Um, I, yeah, it, it is interesting too. Um, I would say gone. I would say Bizdelic doesn't Biz, need to be there. He's one, he's, gone. He's gone. I think, he, and that's interesting to your whole uh, little like the question you asked, the hypothetical earlier of yeah. if they knew or not because Bizdelic didn't come. Mm. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, he's old as shit. So. He is old, but he's, like he's one COVID nineteen positive test away from being dead. So, well, that's yeah. kind of insensitive. Well, that's but another like, reason for that's, him I'm just to saying, go. Like, he, that's why he couldn't go. Like, and that's he, the other just, thing with Gentry. Gentry's sixty five. Doesn't look like it, but he's sixty five. Like he's getting up there. You know, I, I think you. You know, I hate saying this, right? But like, sometimes you just need somebody who's just hungry you know like i just feel like guys like jeff bezelic and alvin, alvin gentry they've been in the league they've a really proven long time. they don't need to prove anything there's nothing for them to prove anymore yeah. like they, they, they everyone knows their name everyone knows that i mean gentry's got they, a ring yeah everyone knows that they've had various amounts of success sometimes you need a guy who's who's just waiting for his chance to prove that he can coach a team to a championship and and i, I think you know, I I think we can find that. There's there's a lot of guys out there who are ready and, and and they're ready to prove themselves. So I'll ask this question: Do y'all want a coach with NBA head coaching experience or not? Or does it matter? Doesn't matter. Oh man, because here's I, here's an example for you. I'll give you just to just to kind of make you go on the question. Greg Popovich, nobody knew who he was. Uh, Phil Jackson, when he got hired by the uh bulls originally nobody really knew who he was uh nick nurse same thing um i mean brad stevens coached butler yeah like yeah so just just an idea there just throwing out some names just i i, I don't think it matters i i think when david griffin sits down with these people you can tell griffin i, I think griffin knows what he wants right I think he knows exactly what he wants. I think Trajan is is in line with Griffin. And I think they're just going through the interviews to see who is going to be closest to what they want to lead this team. I agree. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's gonna yeah, matter. Like I said, for them. They, they they already know what they want. I just thought it was a fun question. I think they knew what they wanted prior to the season started. I think they knew what they wanted midway through the season. And I think the more the season went on, the more they were like yeah, Gentry's just not this guy. We're going to have to find somebody else. So I guess we can get into your list, Jonathan. But real quick, this is usually a thing. Most coaches have a specialty in defense, offense, or whatever, as in Alvin Gentry was an offensive coach. Monty Williams was a defensive coach. And that's all throughout the league. Is there a coach, coaching style or philosophy that you're looking for as far as you know what you want them to specialize in, offense, defense? something they prioritize, anything like that? For me personally, it's a big no. I really don't care what they personalize. Yeah. And I think that you can answer it. That's why I asked it right after yeah. Jesse, what Jesse said, because you can answer that one the same way. Yeah, because, I mean, 
you have a staff of you have a staff. You have six to seven coaches on the team. And I know a lot of people are like Kenny Atkinson because he's great with development. Well, you have three to four coaches who are specifically there for, for the player development. development. Yeah. So no, I don't want my coach to specifically be a guru guru in like player development. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of want him to just be well rounded and have a passion and a hunger and a and a fire to win and and to to take Zion Williamson to the next level and and to bring this team to where we want it to be, where we've always thought it could go, and and that's all that matters to me. So, Jonathan, who is Jesse's dream coach then? Man. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough, man. It's just, and Kenny Atkinson's like a popular name. Uh, he was with Atlanta with Boldenheiser, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks head coach. Boldenheiser, yeah. You say it. Um, so like those offenses were really, really well run, really well run teams. But he I don't know. In Europe too. Yeah, he, he makes me nervous. Kenny Atkinson makes me a little nervous because he's a guy coming in with like a terrible head coaching record because he took over the Nets, but they were playing hard. They were doing good things. But, like, we just have to ask David Griffin. We have to ask Trajan Langdon. Like, what do you want, right? Like, what do you want out of your coach? We we came up with a list just now. But do you want a guy whose name or a girl, I'm sorry, or a woman, whose name comes with their own culture, right? Like, do you want a name that the name itself, being our head coach, provides some type of status to it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the the Ty Lues, the the Sam Cassells, the Jerry Stackhouses, Chauncey Billups has been rumored with some circles, the Becky Hammonds. You know, those names themselves are going to draw attention. Those names themselves are going to demand respect, I think, from your team. Uh, those names themselves are going to demand respect from the league. So you have those people um, that are on one side of the spectrum and the other side of the spectrum are coaches that are relatively obscure assistant coaches that doesn't have the amount of status that comes with the name, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the Adoka, who I personally really like, was a San Antonio Spurs assistant, um, is with Atlanta now. The um, the David Vanderpools, the the Fernandez and Denver. So like these assistant coaches that a lot of people are naming as up and coming. Do they come in an interview and kick fucking ass, right? So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what David Griffin wants. Me personally, like I am, I don't know why, but lately I've been leaning towards the finding the next best great thing, right? Instead of getting what you think is the best thing, if that makes sense. Like what the overall, um, what the overall perspective is on these coaches is, okay, the Pelicans hired a great coach because he's great right now. Yeah. Instead of, oh shit, this dude was a great assistant. Let's see if he's going to be great in the next step. Because this goes to my earlier thing. Is there a great coach that we can think of off the top of our head that's been an NBA coach right, and that that's doesn't why, already have a job? Well, that's why a lot of people are saying Jason Kidd and Ty Lue. You know, and a lot of the local guys are really but just trying to... you can't call them great coaches. Right, but a lot of the local guys are just trying to connect the dots. Like, they're just mm-hmm. seeing, okay, we, we know who David Griffin is. We know what Trajan Langdon. Let's see who they have a relationship with. And that's how they're connecting the dots. And Ty Lue and Jason Kidd are the two that have had the most head coaching success out of anybody on this list, just in terms of win-losses type of things. Yep. And I think that's why they're the biggest names. But, I mean, I just find myself being so over that narrative right like i 
don't think I want to go that route. I think I want to go more towards those assistant coaches that we think are the next up and coming and just kind of raise that that coach with the culture and with this team. Now, can that lead to a, a Phil Jackson type of moment? I hope. Or will it lead to a Brian Shaw type of moment with Denver? I oh, hope yeah. not. You know oh. what I'm saying? So that's the, like the double-edged sword there. Yeah, it can go those ways. So do you think Griffin maybe already has someone in mind? D- doesn't have a feeling he does. I think so. The, I think it so. has a feeling that the guy is coaching in the bubble right now. And whether that more than likely is an assistant coach. And I think he's targeting a very select few amount of people that are still in the bubble. I, there's, a, there's a guy I like, and he's actually the, the, the person I hope that gets it. Um, let's Wes. do this. Yeah, let's do this. Let's all give a coach that oh, we would want. Like. For, for me, it's it's Denver's lead assist, associate head coach, uh, Wes Unsell Jr. Mm, um, interesting. Just I, I so the other day I don't know much about him right like this is just something for me as like reading profiles of different blogs who were stating who's going to be the next coach of the Pelicans and or, or you know rumors I just feel like when I was reading about each individual different coach he kind of aligned as the coach that would most likely be best for our team and that's where I'm going to leave it okay uh I mean for me man I keep going back to Adoka. Everything I'm reading about this guy as far as being like a basketball savant, re- demanding respect from the players, coming from the, the the school of pop, right? And everything I'm reading about him is positive and him having the background with the Spurs, him having the background dealing with superstars in Philadelphia. He seems like he fits the mold to be the next Pelicans head coach. There is no connection that I can see with Trajan Langdon and David Griffin. Uh, I think there's some obscure connection that he once was on the same team as Langdon, but for only a year. But that's my pick. That's my pick. And he's actually the third favorite right now on the betting websites, which was interesting to no see. No way. That. Where's yeah. that at? Uh, I actually retweeted it. And Jason Kidd was number two, and then Ty Lue was number one. So Odoka was the third highest to get picked. Which is because in a lot of circles around the NBA, he's considered like the assistant coach that's going to be right there up next to get um, a head coaching job. So he's being talked about a lot, and I really like him the more I research him. Hmm. You have a name? Do you have your name off the top of your head, Tyler? Uh, you know, honestly, a guy I was looking at, I was kind of like no at first. But if I had, this is me kind of like not really, he's not, I don't know if he'd be at the top of my list, but a guy I think honestly may happen is Tyron Lue. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a guy that kind of fits what Jesse said. Um, and to be honest, I think the guy David Griffin hires, he already knows, as we said. And um, if you can, obviously he knows Tyron If Lue. you can call out LeBron James, you can call out any one of our Pelicans guys. That's exactly what I was about to say. This dude called out LeBron in Game Seven, and mm-hmm. it's it's noted, it's documented, it's fact. Um, and if you got a guy willing to do that, that's a guy who wants to win, right? That is a guy who wants to win. Um, and you know, uh, I've looked at names like Sam Cassell and stuff like that, but uh, I mean, honestly, he's just too ugly. 
No. <laughs> oh, okay. No, with Sam Cassell, <laughs> it's actually been quoted Sam Cassell saying Tyron Lue's his mentor. Oh. So. Wow. You know, and and Sam Cassell again is like I I, I kind of like him, but he he fits under almost a developmental piece, right? Uh, because like, a lot of players credit him for like helping their shot, and he's a guard guru and stuff like that. And while that may be good for Alonzo and Drew, it's not really I think what I'm looking for in a coach. I'm looking for a motivator and someone driven to win and can inst- install the proper habits and system to make these players successful. And he's still young. Yeah. And he couldn't have that motivating factor with, I can win without LeBron. Like, that can be a motivating factor for him, right? Like, still driven. Yeah, he's still got something to prove. I mean, he probably feel he got immaturely, you know, he thinks he's good. I mean, he wanted to get paid a lot. That's the other thing that would scare me off on him is, you know, he didn't take, he didn't take the Lakers job because he thought he should get paid more. He thought he was worth right. more than what they wanted to pay him. And then the the Knicks went after him too, right? Yeah. Or they were rumored to go after him, and I think so, that got shut down really quickly. I don't know if that's arrogance or is that the level of confidence that I'm looking for in my coach? Or did Griffin say, yo, wait one more year? And here's the thing. <laughs> we can act like we know these coaches, right? We don't know shit. So, at but, the, but we can see the product on the court. Yeah, you can see the product on the court with right. proven coaches. But, um, and I think you need to go from a coach who's had success. Like, I don't want anyone who's obviously been with like the Orlando Magic lately or anything like that. But, um, they're doing okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, East, dude. They're on the way out of here. They're on the way <laughs> But, um, they beat us. Hey, yeah, you got me there. But, instant upgrade. I don't know. I, I'll say Tyron Lou, but give me, like, I'm not really sold. Here's on a question for you guys. Well, give me a number, right? Zero to a hundred. What's the percentage chance we get one of these hot shot college coaches? I'm gonna name a few names. Okay, but it, it it seems like the past year or two, these names keep popping up. They seem to be happy where they're at. They're getting paid so much money to coach players without egos, right? But they're, they're, their names constantly pop up. So I'm gonna say a couple of names, and I want you guys to give me a percentage. What's the chance that they interview for the Pelicans because of our young upcoming roster? So guys like uh, Jerry Stackhouse, right? College coach. A lot of people say he's going to be an NBA head coach. Will Wade. You guys talk about intensity. Jerry, I mean, uh, Jesse and Tyler said this dude's fucking sweating Dude, bullets on the sideline. Will, Will Wade on the sideline is ridiculous. That's Jerry's boy. He's going to yeah. be, he's going to leave LSU one day either for a better job or NBA job. Yeah. Um, so Jerry Stackhouse, Will Wade, uh, Jay Wright, everybody wants Jay Wright, right? Out of Nova. Um, coach K maybe. So Jerry Stackhouse, I think is interesting, but what I'll say, I don't think it's a uh, college coach because he's, he's, uh, Griffin has already said it's a process and he wants to wait on the bubble. College coaches are available to talk to right now. So if he had his eye on a college coach, he can talk to him right now. Um, but He's got to wait for the end of the playoffs, you know. So it's, and it seems can, like it's going to be one of those guys, right? I, I think I think he's already got his eye. I think he wants someone who knows the league already. Okay. Because he needs these players to know the league. I, I would put it at like a 10% chance. He, that they get an interview. Yeah. And that they get an interview, I would say, is higher. But John Calipari calls tomorrow. No. And no. I don't, no. Want, I don't do want any of those Do you guys. honestly think he's a good coach or just a great recruiter? He coached in New Orleans. Those guys want those guys want control. 
Yeah. It's no. not gonna. It's not gonna happen. That's another like, thing. He's right? gonna those win more. Dudes, yeah. Those dudes are the alpha dogs. That's why you go to college. That's why you. That's why you do college. You got full control. You're the GM, the coach, whatever. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just flirting with the idea. I'm just kind of tipping my toes in the water a little bit, you know. Yeah. No, just I'm not hating. No, I okay. think. I think Jerry Stackhouse, for instance, is a guy who will most likely get an interview. Surprised a lot of people that he left to go to college. Yeah. Surprised a lot of people. Um. It might say his passion for the game, you know? That's, I think if Jay Wright wants this job, I, I'm pretty sure David Griffin gives him a, like, yeah, probably I mean, he's, one of the more favorable. He'd be dumb not to at least look at a couple of college coaches. Yeah. That would be, I would actually be kind of disappointed if he didn't, because then he's already limiting himself. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's a college likelihood. Coach, I think it's uh, it's already an NBA coach, most likely an assistant. So let me I might ask one more question. This isn't on the script or anything, but how attractive, honestly, how attractive is the Pelicans job? I know we have a lot of talent. I know we we're very young, but you have Zion Williamson and you have all of the expectations that come with Zion Williamson. Borderline the same type of expectations you see with any superstar where we're constantly questioning the coach. That's going to happen nonstop. You're going to be on ESPN here, and what the fuck was this coach doing with his lineups? Yeah. How, so how attractive is this job? Is it the best job opening in the NBA? And are we going to get a lot of suitors that want to come to us because of our talent? Or is it, I don't want to be under like that much scrutiny? Or is that what... If you don't want to be under that much scrutiny, do we not want you anyway? Because we want guys like that. Exactly. Go ahead, I was, Jerry. I was I was just about to say, like, if you're worried about scrutiny, yeah, and and not performing, then I don't want you as a coach anyway. You're right. already doubting yourself, and you haven't even picked up a clipboard yet. Right? Yeah. Nah, like that. I don't think that's an issue. I think I think any real head coach, the one that we want, is looking at any team and going, whatever opportunity I get, I'm going to make it work. I'm the dude. Yep. I'm the guy, yeah. and I'm going to make it work, and I'm going to win with this team, and. I think if they choose the Pelicans, you're getting a pretty good head start with guys like Brandon Ingram and and Zion Williamson and Josh Hart and Drew Holiday. Yeah. Well, according to Griffin, you have a lot of bad habits to break. Well, at the same Griffin time. also did say this is the best coaching job in the league yeah. right now. Which it is. I don't. It is. I don't know if it necessarily is. I think we're David at a, Griffin's a used car it's, salesman. It's the best available coaching job. Do you want the Bulls? No. Hell no. Okay. Look what they did to poor Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. Up and coming college coach, killing the game, goes to the Bulls. and then go to Boylan. Did yeah. you see Boylan this? Was oh the my worst. god! Oh my goodness, what a dictator! Let's hire him. Well, hold up. Now that I think about it, though, you got to think the Houston Rockets job is going to come available. That's gonna, that's got to yeah. be it. So that's that's going to be, but that's going to go to like, I think that's where Tyron. That's where Tyler is going to go. That could yeah. I could Philadelphia see might come available too. That's yeah. an attractive job. Philly is probably going to become available. Here, so Philly and New Orleans, I think, are actually pretty similar as far as where we were at with like assets and stuff and how it can go wrong. Right. So yeah. Philly, okay, New saying. Orleans kind of looks like what Philly looked like. So it does rely... like Before we do, they traded for Jimmy Butler. We do need it because we didn't even talk about this with... Gentry, but in the same way that Dell Demps was fired, it wasn't all on Gentry. Gentry had a shit roster half yeah. the time. Yeah. He had a lot of injuries to work with. He didn't have much talent at first. Um, those are all factors, believe it or not. You know, and we have to recognize the same thing with the new coach coming in. Yeah. So 
I mean, the coach has got to be like, okay, so what are we doing with these draft picks? Am I bringing in players? Or are we rebuilding? Like, what's what's our goal as an organization? Are we trying to win this year? This is the biggest decision to make. I mean, in terms of our future, David Griffin was probably number one. Like, this is one A, like one B, right? Like, this is a huge determinant in our future success. Sure. It's, it's, it's just crazy to think about because Zion's only going to be in his second year. Like, not a lot of dudes found success in their second year, you know? Like, Chris Paul didn't make the playoffs. LeBron James didn't make the playoffs. Tim Duncan won the title as a rookie. Oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> Shit. Uh, he was 22, though, yeah. so. Anyway, we got some questions to uh, answer, right, Tyler? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Some, I got some, got some questions, got some shout-outs okay. to give on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. Um, first off, shout-out to uh, our uh, boy, Corey Fleetwood, at the Bayou Benders, asking us to sit down and watch hockey now that, you know, the Pelican season is over. I love Corey Fleetwood. Gave him a chair, so we'll have to check it out. Give us a team. Man, we, how long, we've, been, we've been hanging out with Fleetwood for a long time, huh, Jesse? Yeah, Jeez, long time. that's my guy. Um, but some actual questions are Richard Kreps at R Kreps 1313. What's up, Ricky? Uh, what are the benefits of trading Drew? Because there has been some talk recently about trading Drew, especially some of these playoff teams struggling right now. Looking at the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> I asked that because if they all do what we want, then there won't be roster spots for all, nor will there be money. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the question. Good question. Drew, uh, Drew Holiday is one of Ricky's favorite players on the Pelicans. He constantly talks him up. So the only benefit, Ricky, of trading Drew Holiday is continuing some sort of youth movement. So he's, right? he seems to be worried a little bit about the money, I guess, with Brandon Ingram. Yeah. You know, getting paid and right. Drew's well, got a well, huge contract. Yeah, it, it's actually it's going to work out okay because Favors isn't going to be in the roster. I really don't think Favors is going to be here. We don't know how the cap's going to look either. Uh, we don't know what the cap's going to look like, so it, the contract actually might not be that big because you can only give them a percentage of the cap. Um, and we're not going to probably not going to have Frank back. We're probably not going to have Etwan back. So money's going to open up. Mon and, and in Drew Holiday, by the time we have to pay Lonzo. And by the time we have to pay Josh Hart at the end of next season, Drew Holiday is only going to have that one more season left. Well, so, that's a player option too. So and it's Drew. a player option. So the money actually lines up okay. Uh, so the big question comes up with, what's the value in the court versus what we can get for him? Yeah. And, and I haven't seen any trade. He could be. Here's my only, well, continue. I'm sorry. No, so all I'm going to say is, I haven't seen any trade of value that I think helps this team over the next two years compared to Drew Holiday being on the team. Now, if there's some team out there willing to trade some young bucks, I thought Michael Porter Jr. was a potential trade. Ain't no That's, way There's now. no That's chance gone. that's going to happen. So, so that, that if you had to jump the gun on so that one. <laughs> the other trade assets would be young young vets. We've heard that with uh, Dell oh, Demps too many times. But it, the other interesting trade I've seen was with Brooklyn – for either Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert. So you're looking at young veteran guards who have shown a lot of promise, but they're up for a payday as well. So I don't know. I haven't seen any trade that I really liked that really brings value to the court the way Drew does. So I know this is an easy thing. I say this every time, but this is an easy <laughs> thing to say, but you only trade Drew Holiday if you get an if exceptional mind-blowing yeah, offer. If it's a mind-blowing offer. Okay. What about, I'm behind you, what about a package to get up high right like to, 
to to get a higher draft pick would that be something that would interest you mm, i mean let's just say it would have to be like let's just say the hawks right they're sitting at three or four no and they they think they're on the cusp of the playoffs with their young guys and they need a veteran like drew do we do that Mm, what they, else are they giving us? We they, right. would, they would have to give us the amount of picks the Lakers did, or close to it. No, no, I don't. No, yeah, no, I don't. So that's Drew, only, that's the only way I'm trading. You He's might be able to get a ransom close to that for Drew with some of these playoff teams, because Drew does seem to be like the perfect missing piece for a lot of these teams. I mean, yeah. you look at Denver. If Denver, you know, if Denver's like, look, we love Jamal Murray, but. I mean, go look at Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic and him out there right now. They can't play defense to save their life. What if Golden State wants to make a run at Drew? Mm-hmm. And they get the first to second pick. I don't know why they would do that, but... Yeah. Because they think they win a championship next year. I mean, they got Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins fucking sucks. Yeah, but... They got D'Angelo Russell. They got De'Angelo... No, no, they, no, they don't they, have D'Angelo Russell. Wait, wait, he got traded man. for Andrew. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. My bad, my bad. But uh, they... Uh, I'm just I saying, don't know. Drew, yeah. Drew can guard the one we'll, through the three. We'll have to explore that in another podcast. Possible but, but, trades. But honestly, I think Drew's on the team until his contract expires. I do too. Okay. I think Griffin likes him a lot. Yeah. And I think he's, I think that was apparent when he's, that he sat Drew for, you know... And I'm excited to reasons. see what I'm excited to see what Drew can do with he, the new coaching staff. We have uh, another couple of questions by uh, Marshall Hahn, and his uh, ad is at Bugnish underscore Man. Got it. Um, but he's got a couple of questions for us. Uh, what? So we kind of discussed what would you need in a trade to move Drew. We've already answered that one. Uh, who are lesser known coaches to look at, Jonathan? Any we haven't discussed already? Um, I mean, there's a lot of obscure like assistant coaches out there um, that uh, some people were talking about. But I mean, I really don't think a lot of people lately are talking about um, the the assistant coaches that are out there that we mentioned earlier. The the David Vanderpool, okay, the uh, Fernando Ham, yeah, mm-hmm. um, the uh, Fernandez up in Denver's uh, young and upcoming coach that a lot of people are talking about from like an X and an O standpoint is supposed to be phenomenal. Um, Adoka, I know he's high in the betting odds, but you know, we really don't hear his name being brought up on like the big shows like nope. ESPN first take things like that. So those are some, uh, any one of those assistant coaches that are up and comers, you just, they're not like a sexy pick. Like they're not going to be people that you um, hear a lot about. So yeah, you really, honestly, you can look up, any article that mentions the Pelicans head coaching job, and you're going to see a list of 30 names. Mm-hmm. Any one of the ones that are assistant coaches, you're just not going to know too much about. So I'd yeah. say any one of those guys. Um, he asked, who do you want as our next head coach? We kind of answered that, mm-hmm. although I didn't give a great answer. Apologies. Um, and then his last one, uh, which is a, a good question. Where is the party when we drop that top four pick tomorrow? Shit. God damn. Dude, bring yeah. a mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, what's the beer we're getting, Jonathan? I want a Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Yeah, I want to go to Brats, y'all, and get about a it. giant Hefeweizen. Oh, my God. So we'll, we'll have to say we'll do an emergency podcast if we do hit top four and we'll let you know where that is. Um, yeah. And then the yeah. last question was from Jonathan at Emperor Jonathan, um, different Jonathan than our yeah. Jonathan, obviously. He said, um, what do y'all, uh, how would you grade the season, all things considered, from an F to an A plus? I mean, it's a, it's a straight up D for me. A C minus, yeah. <laughs> um. 
I mean, you know, dude, I would have said like a B minus before the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give true. it a, I'm going to go with Jesse and give it a C minus. I think there was good things, but there was more bad than good. And Zion missing it could honestly turn it into a D plus. I, I just think a lot of it, I mean, this season was just so weird. This was the weirdest season we'll ever have. It's a roller coaster of emotions, man. I mean, from from winning the lottery to Zion, <laughs> the Zion injury update that came out of nowhere, to him missing games, to the, the losing, to losing streak, streak. The losing streak was to, terrible. To get it to to starting to Brandon Ingram having those games where he was hitting like forty. The next KD, yeah. I mean, just a lot happened this season. Utah game was fun. Yeah, like I said, a lot happened this season. Zion's return. And, and trying to like sift through all of it and find every little detail and what it means is almost impossible. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the season was just kind of... It, it feels incomplete. It was a it little... Feels, blo- it feels incomplete to me. Yeah. Still. Like, it, even though we played the bubble games, even though, you know, there's playoffs going on right now, for me, I just feel like the season is incomplete. I feel like if you run it back and we're allowed to play things out the way they were supposed to play out, we're probably a little bit happier right now. Yeah, I feel thoroughly unsatisfied. This mm-hmm. was a bad Tinder date for me. Um, but the profile picks were amazing yeah, because the, the beginning of that season dope. was you know her, her David Griffin, the optimism, Zion her, in preseason. With the conversations on Tinder were good. Her little you know bio looked good and then we go out and she orders like a, a cosmopolitan and it's all down here from there. You know? so, <laughs> that's that's how I feel about this season. That's that how I question. Feel. So Jesse, oh, you know what? I have another name for the coaches. This got brought up. Um, I don't know who brought this up. The bird rights, maybe I'll give them credit, I guess, whatever. I'll just pick a name. Um, Will Weaver, the uh, Australian Sydney Kings uh, head coach gets brought up because of his connection to Trajan Langdon yep. um, with the Nets. So another interesting head coach. Uh, also, guys, the draft lottery is tomorrow oh, or today. Wait, dude, we're, getting, or, we're getting one more question on Twitter. Uh-oh. Yeah, live. Um, How do y'all have the most handsome podcast host of all time? Jesse! Damn, Damn dude. Jesse. <laughs> Coming through from Mr. at J. Paller. That is awesome. <laughs> Mr. J. Paller. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no! Oh, shout out to Crystalline for creating those. Uh, yeah, the so new... I wanted to say that right out the gate. Yeah, man. we forgot. We got a new look, y'all. Go check it out. We yeah. got some. We got our new like. She made some cool bit emojis for us. Customized that. Um, my brother Cody put the the new logos behind some um, our previous colors. So yeah, we decked out, man. We're gonna have some new merch coming out soon with all this stuff too. Plus. We don't have to fight any copyright issues, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Since we have yeah. our own shit now, so that's nice. That's a good thing. Uh, what were you gonna say though, uh, Tyler? Draft lotteries. Draft lotteries coming be up today. For so it's past midnight. It's so not yet, yeah, but by the time anyone listens to it, yeah. It will so be. oh yeah, so Wednesday, um, Thursday the twentieth, we have a five point seven percent chance to pick in the top four. So that's gonna be interesting. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, guys, this shouldn't take too long. Really quickly, how much did we learn from the bubble versus how much should we treat this as an anomaly that, I don't know, this was just a weird end to a season and you really can't take stock in it? I think you can take 
I think there's certain things you can take stock into. Um, but overall, I think it's kind of a weird anomaly. Yeah. I think it is. Like, it, home court advantage plays a factor. Yeah. And right now, there is none. You know, you're you're playing pretty much neutral. So, th- there's just little things that matter and that, that would probably sway a game here or two there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the NBA did the best they could. They needed to finish the season. It needed to be a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But... For us, in a sense, uh, I guess strictly from a Pelican yeah. standpoint. From a Pelican like, standpoint, the only thing we really learned is that we're even more frustrated than before. I think I did learn from the bubble, and I think it's specifically on the Pelicans, and that was kind of the blessing in the skies that got, um, unfortunately, Gentry fired. I, I do like the guy, but at the end of the day, I think it was the right move because of what we saw in the bubble. The Pelicans played with less effort than the Brooklyn Nets, who almost have nothing to play for. Um, Every single team in our spot came out with a fire and intensity that Mm -hmm. was, you know, um, like Portland, Phoenix, even the Kings at times. The Kings looked so much better than us when they beat us. Like, we were letting, uh, we were just letting anything they wanted go in. Um, I, to me, that just spoke leagues. Like, if the rest of the league came in like that, not ready and stuff like that, I could understand. But the fact that we were literally the only team and came out embarrassingly bad on effort, defense, everything that you would need to uh, for a team to make the playoffs. And when we had a Game 7 and nothing happened, and they looked just as terrible as ever in that Game 7, yeah. told me everything I, mean, I need made- for... Hey, guess what? This roster's got to change. This head coach has got to change. Something. We need to reignite the fire because guess what? A lot of that hope is lost. I mean, right. Zion didn't look great out there. You know, yeah, we, we made Bogdan look like an MVP candidate every time we played the Kings. Um, yeah, for me, those were the two biggest things. Uh, was was what you said, Tyler? The way we looked, it almost seemed like every mistake or every negative thing about our team got multiplied times 10 in the bubble, right? Like we don't have a half And we were the only team. We were like the kid that showed up without his pants on. So it's like, okay, so we had defensive struggles throughout the season. That got multiplied times 10 in the bubble. Mm -hmm. We had trouble with half-court sets. That got magnified times 10 in the bubble, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Lonzo shot, multiplied times 10 in the bubble. B.I. ISO in a little bit too much, multiplied times 10 in the bubble. On top of that, we were supposed to go against these easy teams to get right, in the playoffs right. and stuff like that. Well, guess what? We went up against the competitors that show you what it takes what it to takes, win right. and to get there, and they showed us the fuck up. The only right. real contender we went up against was the Clippers, and they stomped us by 30 fucking points. And and it, it sucks. The bubble sucked for me the most because everything that pundits that don't watch the Pelicans say about us with hot takes... Mm-hmm looked true and that's frustrating zion's out of shape he's fat well fuck you turn on the pelicans game in the bubble he looked fucking fat and out of shape Mm -hmm. right um the pelicans don't play defense they only care about offense you turn on the fucking tv all we care about is the next shot that i'm gonna take and not worrying about defense so like gentry's a bad coach he has no idea what he's doing the rotations suck and he's calling timeouts at weird times so 
Everything, oh, that timeout was terrible. We every, didn't even talk about every, that. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but everything that we talked about or made fun of uh, the national media for kind of hot taking on the Pelicans became the fucking realest of takes yeah. because of for some weird bubble voodoo fucking magic that they got sprinkled over the Pelicans. Dude, and yeah, I mean, you can call it what you want be like, this is the situation they're in, but when you literally see every other team come in and play even harder and better than they played in the regular season. No excuses, you're right. No excuses no whatsoever excuses. on that. I I would have I would have took some of the excuses if I'd have seen other player teams play like that, but not one team in our spot in fighting for a playoff spot played like that. The only one that was even close was the Kings and you saw how bad they beat us. Right. Once they were right, right. You're right. You're 100% right. Even the Washington Wizards had something to play for. Like you could see they were playing with effort and energy. Yeah, but I mean they I, they they already knew they were coming in. You came in telling us like, "Hey, we're gonna make some noise in this yeah. bubble," and you came out and you know let out used a wet car fart. salesman. It was terrible. Hyped this up, Jesse. When we're recording again, dude, or if we're recording again. Oh man, so I mean, as we look at it, unless the Pelicans uh, win the lottery, win the lottery, it should be quiet for a little while. It's gonna be quiet for a little while, but think about it. The the turnaround this season is actually be pretty quick, right? Yeah. All right. So unless we, we'll definitely do a couple of. Probably a draft and a free agency one. We'll probably yeah. do a draft and then probably a coach and one if we pick a coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it's actually not going to be as long as a break as usual, right? It's just tough, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, with the work schedule and shit, you know, it's just Johnson's tough. To, about to be a daddy. Yeah. I got the true. kid coming. I mean, I might need a fucking break. I mean, my mother-in-law is coming to stay with us, so I might need a little break. <laughs> I might be hitting y'all up every other day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like I said, I, I think we're anticipating a break, but, you know, it's not going to be too, you know, we always say this, and then this is actually the most consistent we've been for in a, in a pretty we long time. We say that. We're like, man, well, we don't have too much to talk about, and then we do a 90-minute podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we, we knew this was going to happen tonight. Yeah. yeah, we're at an hour and 25, and, and before me, and I, I was talking to Tyler, and I'm like, dude, it's, it, tonight's going to be an easy hour just upon, just on Gentry alone. And, yeah. and me and Jonathan, well, Jonathan mostly has been doing a great job. We're going to try to be active on Twitter during these playoffs just to get a good idea of what you can kind of see how the Pelicans need to be to be successful. Not right. essentially players or this or that or trades, but like, you know, this is what we're looking for. This is the effort. These are the plays. We, we'll bring those comparisons yeah, yeah, yeah. in. And watch the playoffs. I mean, look who steps up, you know. see, yeah. Look at Damian Lillard backing his shit up. Yeah, look who steps up. God, dude, if I, I'd give my left nut for Damian Lillard to play one season with the Pelicans. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> to go Jesus back in Christ. time and draft him with AD. Like, do what it takes. Bro. That yeah. would have been killer, man. Yeah. But yeah, um, looking forward to it, fellas. Draft, coach, free agency, mm-hmm. baby, um, baby Jasper coming soon. He's already got so much Pelicans gear, y'all. <laughs> but I'll take more. Um, interesting times coming up. Oh, by the way, times. I bought something pretty sweet off your registry. I don't know if you got it yet. Oh shit! Did you put your name on it? I think I did. Yeah. Okay. Right. I haven't gotten it yet. Then. All right. Damn. That's what's up. Uh, Jonathan Palazzolo on Amazon. If you want to look up my registry buy anything <laughs> yeah anything i mean diapers are work honestly her we can't have it anyway guys whatever uh <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward man i mean obviously i think the biggest news for sure as far as our future head coach i can't wait to talk about it is the head coach i can't wait to do research on whoever we pick i can't wait to hear tyler spit off some numbers and some statistics um because i think like- there's any current player in these playoffs that's disgruntled right now because it's a big storyline you think we take any of those picks possibly and I mean, turn it around 
The only mm-hmm. one that looks seriously disgruntled right now is Giannis. Well, yeah. and I don't did think you we see Joel Embiid today? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, he's pissed. Dude, he would be the perfect. And he should be pissed, yeah. to be honest. They ruined that team. He would be the perfect five. Yeah, Elton Brand fucked that team up. They had a young, bright, promising future with assets. Yeah. And they spent it on... Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris and Al Horford and let Jimmy Butler walk. Can, can we get the Chris Paul Twilight season? I don't want that $45 million yeah. paycheck on that, yeah. on our roster. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's $40 million. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of money. But uh, It's a lot of money we don't have. Joel and B would be nice. I don't want to. I don't want to. Ba- I'll tell you what I want real quick. Just with the Pelicans, uh, be guard focused, please. We need guards. We need uh, attackers. We need ball handlers. We need creators. Uh, we'll um, s- we'll see who we get with the thirteenth pick. I don't expect. I don't. Be. I don't expect that player to come yeah. in and be great. You know, we DD. Let's see DD next like, season. Oh, right, that could be our pick. <laughs> we got thirty more minutes. We're gonna talk about DD. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna no, do no, that. No, no. I just. But hey. I like him. He's a young, fun prospect. He can make some difference. It, we have a lot of like young, fun things, but as you see in these playoffs, guys, it really it's going to be limited to like seven man rotation, mm-hmm. eight man rotation. Who and is that going to be, and who fits best around Zion? He would have to play his ass off to 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 beat Josh Hart out. I actually think Josh Hart will be a starter on this team one day. I almost agree with Jesse. Yeah. What if you What if you replaced? You you get a nice trade package for Drew. And you got heart. Is that like that bad of a drop off? It is. It is definitely a drop off. But is it that bad, especially if you give more of the offensive responsibility to Ingram and potentially Zion? I don't know. Also, I don't want a big man because I don't want to stack the front court that much. We got enough scores. Uh, yeah. Like, really, we need to be this team as far as Ross are constructed with Ingram and uh, Zion needs to be guard focused. And I'll stay away from uh, injuries. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, especially with the Pelicans. Anyway, guys, a lot of big news coming up. Looking excited, looking excited for it. All right, so that's gonna be the end of this episode. And uh, like I said, we'll see you uh, probably sooner than. Uh, we Hopefully, should. we see y'all tomorrow. Please. Yeah, Hopefully. if we win a lottery, but I, I'm not expecting that. What's your lucky thing, Jesse? What you doing? You saying big, big oh, baller no. brand money? money? No, we we. <laughs> if, if there's there's one thing everyone should know about me. If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. <laughs> <laughs> Says the most handsome host <laughs> of any podcast in New Orleans. Yeah, unfortunately, looks don't turn into luck. So. Oh shit! Yeah, I don't have any lucky thing either. So unless you got something, Jonathan. I don't know. I mean, I normally go commando when I need some good luck. So maybe we'll do that for full <laughs> 24. I'm doing it now. This was a good podcast, right? Um, <laughs> maybe I'll do that tomorrow. So we'll see. Right, I mean, I'm well, expecting to get the 13th pick, though. Yeah. Hopefully we got good news. Yeah. All, All right, right y'all. Have a good one. Later.